Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. I'm your host, Victor Lucas, and boy, I've got a fantastic conversation for you today with Chris Kohler from Digital Eclipse and Charles Murakami from Konami. Both gentlemen join me to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kawabunga Collection. And if you have seen any of my side-scrolling superhero segments, you know how excited I am about this collection. We're gonna get right to it, but don't forget to hit that like button if you dig the convo, hit that subscribe button if you want more, and don't feel shy about sharing this with everybody that you know. All right, enjoy the show. I have been eagerly awaiting this game for a very long time, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga Collection is almost here, and I'm with Charles and Chris that uh, have both contributed to help make this dream a reality. Um, I, I want to talk about how this started, you guys. How did the Kawabunga Collection, was that a Konami-led thing or a Digital Eclipse-led thing? How, how did it come together? Um, yeah. Charles, why don't we start with you? Yeah, it started back in 2019 when we had like the Contra collection and the Castlevania collection for our 50th anniversary. And from that, the, the fan feedback was like, where's our turtles? Where's our turtles? So it was like a no brainer to make a TMNT collection. But um, as huge as a, as a fan as I was, I knew who were just as big, if not bigger fans than me, which was Digital Eclipse. So, um, that's when we contacted the people over at Digital Clips and they were like eager to do it. And we, we knew this was the partnership that I wanted to have to make this collection. That's awesome. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about how it felt around the office to receive that phone call? Because uh, this is kind of like <laughs> one of those retro holy grails, right? Like I think everybody that thinks about classic game series or collections thinks about this as a uh, with hope in their heart. And, it, and it's finally come together. So how was it for you guys to, to sort of get tipped to bring this all together for us? Yeah, certainly something that um, there was always this like Twitter chat about, uh, you know, Turtles collection when, when are they going to put all the Turtles games together in one collection? Um, and uh, it was actually really fun because, of course, we were working on this for like a year and a half before we announced it. So it was just like, oh, just you wait. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, the mood was the mood was exuberant. I mean, you know, it was it was very shortly after I joined the company in mid 2020 um and uh, i had i had absolutely no idea and so you know i start working at digital eclipse start working on some projects and then then i hear one day that you know turtles got greenlit and it's you know very exciting and so it just starts dreaming up you know what we're going to do with it and um we really just found and what was really wonderful is just to find um a great partner in Konami because we were all just on the same wavelength of we want to make this big, we want to put in as as we possibly can. We want every game, all 13 games. We want all 11 of the Japanese versions of those games that came out. We want everything from design documents and you know boxes and manuals and screenshots of the tv shows and comic book cover stands to really build out the turtles lair which is what we're calling the the, the museum section of the game is the turtles lair um yeah. and really really just um go in thinking it's finally happening the dream project is finally happening and we have to nail it in one we've got to do it the, as, as best we can with this version of it because you know who knows if the stars will ever align 
you know, so that it could happen again. So we knew we had one shot and we all understood we had to do it. You understood the assignment. (laughs) Charles, I'm wondering if there was a team or a person at Konami in Japan that had collected a lot of this material, had sort of been waiting for the go on this for a long time? (laughs) Was there like a a turtles guru over there? Well, I've waited 30 years for this. So (laughs) I would like to say I I, I definitely um, pushed very hard. And one of the things they were talking about, like which games to put in, um, I definitely was like, no, no, you can't cut all these, um, any of these. Some people, their nostalgic game is like their arcade game. Some people, they played on Genesis and some of the people in our office their first games were the game boy ones so those game boy games are great by the way yeah. and it is surprisingly like i reviewed the first ones because i have a series on our channel called side scrolling superheroes so i've been begging for this idea for a long time <laughs> and I, re- I, re- I reviewed the game boy uh follow the foot clan and i was blown away it's a really yeah. cool game and and uh yeah i've been dabbling a little bit with the other two and they're they're excellent games yeah and and then when i mentioned like the enthusiasm for all all the different types of games even tournament fighters as well there's so yep. much enthusiasm for every game and when i mentioned uh told the people here about like what the collection should be and i made a whole presentation about it that's when they said oh you seem really passionate about this <laughs> lead on it. and that was like one of the greatest news i've ever heard and then from then on i've been on like cloud nine trying and then just the more the nervousness is about like trying to get every like my enthusiasm to the fans and we were talking about design docs yeah um i mentioned to the people in japan who run the archive and see what yep. they have and they pulled it back um they went into the archive which is hours away from tokyo we had to have people send people there they pull it oh, out wow. they're out binders of these things and these are like hundreds of pages and right. i was like oh god this is fantastic stuff and it's like oh does this look good? Do you want to scan it? I'm like, of course. They're like, good, good. Volume two. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's going. And one of the, <laughs> the other happiest moment is not only just having these, uh, when I brought it over to Chris and seeing Chris's oh, enthusiasm yeah. is yeah. when I'm like, all right, these are the these are the guys. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So you ha- had already started to kind of get this thing through the system at Konami and you had materials to show these guys to get them excited about where they could go with all of this. Not quite actually. In fact, we we had really prepared for well what if what if um we can't get any material. Um okay. actually took, it did take a long time for Konami to be able to get into the archive because this was this was prime covid time. This was like free vaccines, right? right. And yes. so um, and only a few people are even allowed into the Konami archive, and none of them are are in, on this on this uh, video right now. And so right. it took yeah. a long time for somebody to finally get in there. But the thing is, we had actually prepped like, well, what are we going to put in the turtle slayer? Okay, well, we'll put screenshots of the TV shows, and we'll put in comic book covers, and we'll put in box scans and manual scans. We built out an entire. It's a brand new. It's called um the interactive uh, strategy guide um and so each game i is love like those old, yes thank, thank you it's, it's like reading an old issue of nintendo power or electronic gaming monthly with codes and tips and things like that and humor um original artwork so we kind of had all that and then so once we had prepared to have nothing just in case konami then comes back 
with more design documents than I have ever seen. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at a um, at a partner, you know, in fact, like it's it's almost a thousand pages just of these black and white design documents that were written by the designers as they were creating these games. Did incredible look. I I can't believe they saved them all and they saved them yeah. all and they had them all organized. It's this incredible look into the making of these amazing games during this amazing time, like the late 80s, early 90s in Japan right. inside Konami. How did they do it? What was the process? You know how did things change from design to final? Um, I, if you, if, I mean, if you love Turtles games, but also if you're just like a student of video game history and you want to see right. this behind the scenes stuff, this is going to be an absolute treasure trove for you. And because there's so much in this museum, when you add when you add in all the screenshots and the comic book covers and stuff like that, um, it gets to over not over, it gets to almost two thousand different individual pieces of, of um, material that are, are in the, the Turtles layer. Um, we actually have a search functionality as well. So everything is tagged and you can pick radio buttons to say, I want to see every 8-bit uh, video game manual that contains Bebop and, and, it, and, and it'll come up with every time Bebop ever appeared in a manual. Or just pick Bebop and it'll, it'll generate this big custom gallery of Every time Bebop's face appears in, you know, an advertisement or a manual or a screenshot or a comic book cover or the design documents. And so you can, you can, and you can go even deeper than Bebop too. I mean, you can really get down to like some of the weird enemies, the, the, the roadkill Rodney and stuff like that. I mean, it's all awesome. kind of listed in there. It's, it is, I, it's, it's a turtle fan's dream. I mean, it, it has to be because it's just so, there's so much. You will, and what's kind of interesting for me is that you I think you reflect back the commitment that the original developers had with every one of these games. They didn't drop the ball. And it always bugs me when people have uh, talked about licensed games not being, uh, you know, as good as the video game industry can be. Or, you, you know, there was some kind of negativity around licensed games when you can point to the, the Turtles franchise that Konami did, as well as, you know, Batman games There's several of these 16-bit and 8-bit games that were just phenomenal and so important to the history of our medium. And and it sounds like that's how your whole team went into this, is you you recognized the cultural value for sure, but also the the design value, the development value that, you know, these teams just poured their heart and soul into these games and it shows. Yeah, yeah it's definitely right off the get-go we always said like, it, it's not just a collection. Each one of these are treasured masterpieces and we'll treat each one of these as such. So we, we took every single one of these with as much care as we can. And um, I, I, I believe one of the things we discussed was like, even in the game selection screen, each one has their own section. Like that, that was kind of important to showcase these are all very important. I'm curious, Charles, if there are still team members at Konami that that worked on these games back then, and if you had any contact with them. I have talked to them a little bit, but most of them kind of have moved on. Okay. But, um, over the years, uh, I've been at Konami for a while now. I have talked to a few of them how they approach video games over the years. So, but we do have the design docs, and so trying to definitely convey the the inspiration that comes into these games um 
that uh, we try to convey in the game. That's definitely in the design docs that comes through. Chris, you've always been a student of, of video game culture and, uh, you know, you, you've got a encyclopedic knowledge and a background in this business that's the envy of a lot of people, including me. And I'm wondering what, what was learned through this process about game development and what surprised you about the, um, uh, the approach that Konami would take uh, on building each of these Turtles games, what did, what did you learn? One of the things that's so fascinating about the design documents is that even for these documents that were being written, you know, to, just to be used entirely internally, you know, a designer would be drawing these things, you know, so that the programmers could implement them into the game. Um, there are so many just wonderful, like, sketches of the Turtles, um, you know, um, animation sketches or things where the designer is like, oh, Bebop's face should look like this, you know, in this certain scene. And going through these design documents, they're all, they're so meticulously drawn and planned out. I mean, almost as if somebody outside the company was going to see them, even though they knew that that wasn't going to happen. But you can just see, even when a rough sketch would have sufficed, there's a detailed sketch. And there's, 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 there's such love and such care taken in these design documents. And you can see, like, that's why it, it translates out to the final game, right. you know, right. so well, because just really right from the beginning, there's just so much detail about what it is that they want to do, but also, but but really thinking about what the capabilities are of the system. They're not just doing it um, with no eye toward what's possible. So um, to see that and to understand that is really, uh, it's a very special thing. And again, like, there's very few games for which um, this uh, sort of rich, vault of behind the scenes content is something that is publicly available and so we're really excited to be taking all of it and it really is i mean it's, it's every single page from the konami archives that we scanned and it's hundreds of these pages um and just take it all organize it you know give it put it into categories so you know what it all is and what it all represents we translated everything because these pages are full of handwritten japanese sometimes very very yeah. tiny handwritten japanese and it's like you can look at them and say, oh, that's cool. But we actually went ahead and translated all of them. So there's like floating translations that will appear in your chosen language above these these documents. And so mm. you are going to be able to spend literally hours, hours and hours just sitting, if you want to, just reading through all of these documents. And they are fascinating to me. I mean, I'm a huge nerd. So I mean, the tidbits that are in there are really, really interesting. And I hope that people appreciate and love the fact that all of this stuff is now just being it's it's out of the secret of Konami archives and it is publicly available to you. I can't imagine how many people this is going to influence, you know, indie developers that are huge fans of pixel art. Cause this was from an era when games were just full on magic and mystery. We had no idea how this stuff was getting made. I mean, we would have interviews in magazines, things like that, but we didn't have Twitch. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have developer commentary. I don't even think GDC was kicking around back then. So, it, it, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is being unveiled for the first time by you guys. That must feel incredible. But let's talk a little bit about the first reveal of the Cowabunga collection in general. Um, which I believe was at a PlayStation showcase. Is that correct? That's correct. How, it, and it was the best thing in that PlayStation <laughs> the showcase. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's I very kind of you to say. Well, I remember just flipping out going, oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> but I, I know your world because you've been so head down focused on this proper, on this project 
it must have changed that minute. Like the the minute that you guys re revealed this, things must have got nuts for both of you. Can you tell me a little bit about how that was? We'll start with you, Charles. I mean, uh, of, of course I was nervous um, <laughs> showcasing it for the first time. But, um, and with, with incredible games uh, along with it, but um, the fan reaction um, coming from that was an incredible sigh of relief. And as much as I'm a, being a super fan, you start to think this thing's awesome. But you, because I'm a fan, I kind of expected that. But seeing like the outpouring from everybody else, um, it's more, it's motivating. It's I'm like, I'm so glad I did it. it is, you get that feeling. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I felt a bit of a more of a community too, because like, yeah. You know when you're working on a game you you have your yeah i have digital eclipse and we're all excited but it's still a very you know a small team but when you open it up to everybody and seeing everybody else excited and we're like yeah we're all excited that's that's a great feeling so chris how was it for you uh, you know because you know we I, i'm one of your facebook friends and we're in a group of journalists that are always moving around and talking about all that, except i'm i'm still doing ep i've always been doing ep but uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I was, you know, curious about what you were working on and what, what what you were cooking up over a digital. And then it's boom! It's the biggest collection ever of retro games yeah. ever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's just like, I mean, yeah. So I mean, you know, we had uh, we had released. Um, I mean, I had worked on uh, three projects, you know, prior to this that had been released, and you know, people had had reacted very favorably to them uh, but we always knew that this was sort of the um this is this, this was kind of the, the the big one that we were kind of saving up and uh as it got closer and closer to that announced uh date and i mean basically by the time we announced it i mean we were you know basically content complete on it we knew it was going to be in there but that that first announcement was really just about the collection exists it's going to have these games um there's a little bit of tease about what the features were um really uh so of course the yes the um the fan reaction at that time and the fan reaction the industry reaction everybody as you say everybody on facebook too were just flipping out about it and like um people have been uh overwhelmed i think with uh, what we've then announced since then, we went to Comic-Con with it, and that's really, you know, pulled back the curtain on all of the features, everything that we're putting inside and sort of showing that to people as well. Um, and so, yeah, it has been great. It, 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 it's been pretty great. It's been pretty great because um, now when I tell people what I'm, you know, I don't have to like, tell people oh i work at digital eclipse you know we make these collections but i'm just like yeah we're making cowabunga collections they're like you're making cowabunga collections <laughs> yeah. it's like, really it's just it's wild how um <laughs> how widespread the excitement for it is and we're just ready for it to get out there to people at this point that's awesome charles what you're a super fan self-professed of the turtles i think we all are here uh, and it's weird for me because it's been through the video games that I've become such a fan. And I, I, I didn't really read the books back then. And so now I'm becoming more, you know, at this late stage in my life, I'm becoming <laughs> a, a much bigger fan of the Turtles and I love them. But uh, talk to me about why the Turtles translate so well to video games. What makes them a great yeah. video game property? Was, I actually had this conversation with Kevin Eastman, which is another dream come true, but nice. he's the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I mentioned how having four turtles that have four distinct weapons with four different characteristics with also a, a gallery of both heroes and villains to work off of is 
almost just tailor-made to be a video game and it it's I, i could i could see like turtles going oh, video games going on for a very long time but man like right from the get-go we had all these characters to make a video game off of so it, it's almost like a no-brainer to make video games off of these uh whether they uh he knew it or not but um yeah like and the arcade having four players in it what it, it was so natural for something like the turtles so it just it was a perfect storm I want to get into the specifics about uh, the enhancements and the and the tweaks and improvements that you did to each game. But I'm curious, what were the most challenging games to kind of modernize and to get running again? So the biggest challenge, I would say, uh, that the, the engineer who worked on a lot of these the enhancements for the game. So some of so I mean, I'll start with kind of like the, the stuff that, that maybe is a little bit more obvious. Like um, you know, there's certain games where you can give yourself uh, more life start with you can you can uh, pick what level that you want to start on um for the for some of the 8-bit nes games you can uh turn down the the you turn off really the, the sprite flicker or the slowdown in those games you know that's right. something that right. kind of do um and then you know but then then it kind of gets it starts to get weird um you know so in the arcade game uh and this was this this ends up being kind of tricky for everybody in the arcade game if you do too well at the arcade game it drops bombs on you If you haven't lost any life, the arcade game will start trying to kill you so it can get more of your quarters. Um, and so we have a way to disable those penalties uh, for either standing around or getting bombs dropped on you. Um, but then also the arcade game has what we kind of called nightmare mode, which is a, a switch that can flip in the arcade game that sends out way too many enemies to try to kill you and take more of your money. And so we just let you turn that off. Um, one of the definitely, I think what if you were to ask the, the 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 game engineer what the hardest one to implement was, it would have been uh, in Turtle Tournament Fighters for the Genesis. We have the ability to play as the three boss characters, and this was not part of the original game like at all. Like you couldn't even do it with a secret code. Um, wow! And so he actually went and implemented that. Um, And so you can pick those characters off the stage select menu just like you have. It's like it's a Tournament Fighters, you know, Champion Edition. It's 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 got three totally new characters to be able to play. Um, That's that, awesome. I think, I think that took <laughs> I think that took the most work for sure. That's just in the Genesis game, though. That's just in the Genesis game. In the Super Nintendo game, playing as the bosses was something that you could do via a code. What are you, Chris? What are you proudest of? Uh, in game wise when you're just playing the games i know it's got to be the museum piece and all of the collection of all of the other items i would imagine uh, but when you're playing the games what are you what are you the most proud of when you're actually playing these things i think yeah when i'm sitting back in the well you know honestly i mean i am very proud of the work that this incredible team did and and when you look at something like um so there's we talked about the interactive strategy guide and that is something that for every game uh you can pause the gamer and go to pause the game and go to the strategy guide option or just go to the turtles layer and read the whole thing it's basically um this you know wacky idea that i had of let's you know make like an old uh, nintendo power-ish magazine and everybody came together to make that a reality and i include charles here because charles wanted he was he volunteered basically to make all of the maps to take screenshots of the games and put maps together for them wow um, you know, he had an incredible artist on the digital eclipse side he did all this original artwork of the turtles and he did it in a old 
you know, Nintendo Power sort of pseudo-Japanese style. It was really great. Um, and, you know, we had another artist who had to build all of the layouts. Engineering got involved because guess what? When you see a quote-unquote screenshot in this magazine, it's uh, often it's not a screenshot. It's something you can click on. You can watch a video. So if it's about a strategy for fighting a boss, you can actually watch a watch mode, you know, video um, of that taking place. Um, and every, I mean, just like the, the level of, and you know, the level of, um, of, of, of manpower and talent essentially that had to come together at Digital Eclipse to like make this wacky idea a functional, cool reality is so far beyond me. And so like the fact that this, I'm, I'm working with this incredible team that can, that can do it is a real blessing. Yeah. And one of sure. the tremendous work that went into it is to get these games online as well. And especially like the arcade mm. game, figuring out who sits where, because in the arcade, uh, the character selection is depending on where you put the quarter. So they had to create UI for that as all right, yeah. to start playing online. So all that work that Digital Eclipse put in to make get that um, working is is tremendous. I know that you met with Peter East or uh, Kevin, Eastman, Kevin Eastman, and yep. did you meet with Peter Laird as well? about any of this stuff or the the caretaker who's been uh, keeping uh tmnt going for for the past 30 plus years uh has been kevin eastman and the other hidden partner that we have is nickelodeon and right. they were the ones that were uh that got us in touch with kevin eastman and with and as i was trying to contain my excitement meeting him <laughs> but the, the one thing he uh got us uh, was two um, completely new pieces of art for the limited edition of the game. And one is a cloth poster of his take on the Turtles in Time, the swirl with like wow. the Statue of Liberty. That one's one of my dreams come true. But the other one that he also made for the cover of the box was, um, if you remember the arcade game, when the Turtles um, bust through the window as they're chasing Shredder, as Shredder has April in her in his arm, yeah. Um, the scene after is the is the box art. So the Shredder has April and he's escaping on a technodrome, while the turtles are fighting these foot soldiers. And then scene two starts with like after that Shredder. So like that scene in the middle is now canon. That that, that cover is now canon. And oh we my god, that's awesome. Did you have a chance to talk to Kevin about um, his feelings about these classic games and what it was like to see these things come out in the day? Kevin and Peter as well, um, you know, very uniquely amongst uh, creators of, um, you know, sort of like an indie comic that went on to huge success. They were able to maintain a lot of creative control, like contractually, over um, all of the spin-off products that came later. Um, right. Which meant right. that while these games were being made, I mean, they were being uh, consulted and they were, they were uh, you know, signing off on final approval of all of this stuff, which, you know, probably um, is certainly one of the aspects of why these games, you know, were um, so close uh, to the original source material, why everything is so accurately represented. Um, because, you know, Kevin and Peter were involved. And so, yeah, we, we, you know, we got to talk to him about that. And I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, he, he's just really a uh, happy guy as far as, you know, he can't believe that this creation of his and Peter's is, uh, is, is still going now. And, um, you know, the fact that these games are coming back and he was great to um, work with on not one, but two pieces for the limited edition, uh, which are both pretty amazing. And I can't wait to hang up that poster and, yeah, it was. Awesome. I mean, that was a real. That was a. That was a, just a dream come true. We got to uh, spend a couple of days with them at Comic Con. It was pretty awesome. 
That is so cool. Talk to me about um, showing the Cowabunga collection off to people at Comic-Con. Did you, um, I'm sure people were just elated, but did you get any observations or anything that, that you really took to heart or, or like a perspective that you hadn't thought of before when you were meeting with people? Comic-Con was very much like, oh God, I'm actually going to take these things that we made and I'm going to show them to people and I'm be really excited about it and then I'm going to hope that they don't go, oh, okay, sure, yeah. No, you know, I hope that they maybe have... Uh, I don't think that's that. the crowd, Chris. I think. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> I know. You know, but it's, you get very nervous because you're like, and here's this thing we made, what do you think? You know, and so it was wonderful at Comic-Con to get to you know, do demos of the game and show it to people and really talk about the specifics of what it is we're doing and, and see that there's just so many people there who were as excited about it as we are. And again, just like, we're so close now to everybody being able to get their hands on it. So I, I just can't wait. That's yeah, awesome. One of the best things I saw at Comic-Con was the age range and boys and mm. girls, uh, men and women of, of all ages. And I even Parents saw showing their kids, people. right? Yeah, there's a little girl dressed up as a teen, uh, Ninja oh, Turtle. Nice. Like, yeah. it, One of the interesting it, things I, I didn't realize was going to happen at Comic-Con is, of course, we had all the game demo stations set up, and there were so many of them, and all the monitors were facing the same way. So if you stood in the back of the room, you could look at everybody playing, and you could look at what they were playing. And so we were always constantly checking the big, the banks of monitors to see them popping up because, of course, a lot of people were playing Turtles in Time. That's, that's such a hugely popular game. Yeah. Yes. But I yeah. always, I always thought it was great when I would look over and like somebody was playing Radical Rescue on the Game Boy or somebody <laughs> was playing NES Tournament Fighters. You know, these are games that are the, the, the original versions of these games are now rare collectibles. Um, yes. Because they didn't sell that many copies because they sort of came out late in the in the day. Um, and so to people are going to be able, unless you were like the richest rich kid and you had two arcade machines in your house and every video game system that existed, um, you're probably going to have some games in this collection that you don't have any personal experience with. You're so, going to be know, able I, to complete was, the Konami collection, man. That's incredible. Exactly. And you're going to you're going to find some things that you never knew uh, that you that you enjoyed. And you know, with our features like being able to save anywhere, being able to rewind. Rewind is so huge for some of these games. It's like, you know, yeah. you're playing, you're playing, you're playing. Oops, I took a ton of damage. It's like, oh, let me just rewind a couple of seconds and let me try that again. You know, it, it's just making these games more accessible um, to a new audience uh, in, in every way that we can. That is so rad. I, I, this is uh, an impossible question, I'm sure, for each of you, but I need to ask it. Um, Charles, what's your favorite of the Turtle games that's in the collection? Nostalgia-wise, it's the original arcade. Played it with my friends at the local um, bowling alley. But um, as I've been playing all these collections, like I've never played Radical Rescue back then. And then now that I've played it over 30 years later, it's like, my God, these are it's so good. <laughs> so um, for right now, uh, TMNT3 Radical Rescue is like my current favorite. I, I love that. That's awesome. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, back in the day, the arcade game would have been my favorite. Um, now, I have a renewed appreciation for uh, Ninja Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project for the NES. Um, yep. At the yep. time, the Super NES was already out, so I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't really want to play an 8-bit game anymore. I'm going to move on to 16-bit games. But... Going back and playing it now, oh my gosh, that game is an 8-bit masterpiece. They took the, the sort of the engine of Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, and then they made this brand new, totally original game for the 8-bit platform that was just like, 
they they packed in so much that so many levels and so many bosses and so much animation the turtles all have different moves um i really really enjoyed replaying uh manhattan project and if you've never played it i mean that's that, that might be one to start with if you've never tried it. It's really just incredible. I don't think you're going to run into this problem because it is a game series that crosses generations. There's going to be so much nostalgia and so much current love for the Turtles. But what is it about these games specifically that make them more than just a um, a product of licensing? What, what makes them great games? Chris? You know, they were worked on by these amazing teams at Konami from, from back in the day. You know, people who made, you know, some of your favorite non-licensed Konami games worked on these games also, and they brought, they absolutely did not phone it in. And again, you were going to look at these design documents and you were going to realize, oh, wow, no, they really gave it their all. Um, this was not like a little licensed project to work on in between, you know, the big stuff that they really wanted to make. Oh, no. These are, these are games where they put an incredible amount of work into them. Even, you know, Teenage Mutant Turtles Tournament Fighters, you know, especially the SNES version. I mean, this was something that has, you know, a phenomenal level of detail in it. This was Konami attempting to get into the burgeoning, you know, one-on-one -on -one fighting game genre. This was their big entry and they really, you know, did a, a great job at it. And so you can really tell the love and the care that went into these, you know, the, the game design craftsmanship. And that's why everybody's been asking for these games. They're not asking them because of a nostalgia hit. Um, they're, they're asking for them because these games are just so fantastic. And yeah, it took a while for the stars to align, you know, between Nickelodeon and Konami and Digital Eclipse and everybody to be ready to work on these together. Um, but we're not doing it halfway, doing every game. We are doing as much bonus content as we possibly can, just really more than we've ever done. And it's like, this is the definitive collection. This is the premium product. Okay, so we have this... Uh, you, clearly one of the definitive retro game collections ever created and this you know kudos to you guys um and it's especially impressive that digital eclipse is doing this because that's what their forte is right. and i know they have this huge atari one coming out later uh this year which is awesome but um we we are going to get this and you know the questions and the cries for more are going to be there <laughs> And so I'm wondering, is is the are there plans afoot? Because Konami made a lot of incredible, you know, like all the Batman games that you guys made. Um, is there more potentially that's going to be coming? I'm always glad when people ask for more, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> and once again, one of the great things, the reason why TMNT came together is like the fan outcry for it really made it a lot easier for me to put uh, this collection together. So, and the reason why, like, um, we, we put in all these games together in the first place, all 13, is once again, we don't know if we'll ever be able to get this chance again. Right. So, um, we felt that pressure of putting the most definitive uh, uh, collection that we could. And so it's like having the fans asking for it and trying to meet those expectations is what brought this collection together so once again hearing fans ask for more konami games is uh is is great of course i can't mention anything if we're working on anything of that sort <laughs> but, I, mean, I, I can read between the lines my friend i know what you you're asking us to do you want us to <laughs> sort of ring the bell and and sort of lay out the other collections that we would like to do uh, chris i got to ask you this are there other konami properties that you would love to see one day be made into a collection of this stature yeah i think that um uh, we have gotten on famously uh with konami with this collection 
and um, I think I think we all agree that it would be wonderful to keep working together. And so it's just a question. That, you know what I mean? So it's just a question of like, it, are the stars going to align again? Is it going to happen again? I think that um, I, I've I, I've been in so many Zoom uh, meetings with Charles. You know, I mean, I, I I I'm I'm not I'm not tired of him yet. You know, so it's great to see him again. I think we are three of a of a mind here that really believe in in the value of being able to play these classic games and making them accessible to people and telling the stories about them. Um, I'm so happy that all of this stuff is coming out. And uh, uh, you know, I, I've been playing a bunch of these games for a while now, and they're just incredible games. So I can't wait for more people to re-experience them or experience them for the first time. This has also been though a very big year for the Turtles. Um, in side-scrolling form because of Shredder's Revenge. Um, and what a celebration, right? I mean, all the way around with the 13 games that you're providing and, and Shredder's Revenge. Did you guys have any contact with the uh, with the team working on that game at all? Has, has there been any, you know, um, you know, friendly tweets back and forth or anything like that? Quite honestly, we, we found out when you guys found out. So. <laughs> <laughs> And, but if, and if they're watching right now, I want to let them know how much I enjoyed the game. We really loved it. Yeah, it's clearly a game that is completely inspired by all of the collection that you guys have put together. And it's just like this homage to all of this work. It's right. incredible. And to re-experience those classic games again after Shredder's Revenge, holy, it's just like a direct through line. It's like a total connect the dots moment, isn't it? Yeah, and on top of that, we, uh, as homages go for the collection, a lot of the reason why uh, Nickelodeon uh, asked Nickelodeon for the TV show on um, screenshots, and uh, and they got us in contact with IDW so that we could put in like the the comic book covers and such as well. So we, we wanted to make sure that as you play the games, you know where the inspiration for each of these like the TV show inspirations, which right. comic books it comes from. The, um, right. So in that respect, yeah, we homage is, a, is the perfect word. That's definitely one of the high points that we wanted to uh, touch on. You know, you keep hearing uh, the, the people saying, you know, Turtle fans are eating good in 2022. They're, you know, <laughs> Shredder's Revenge was, was a delicious pizza for dinner. Calabunga Collection is the second pizza at 2 a.m. Um, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good night. I love it. Well, congratulations, you guys. Real treat to speak with both of you. And I, I as a fan of these games and uh, as a fan of both of your companies, I couldn't be happier. And uh, uh, yeah, we want more, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, babe. All right. Take it easy. Bye bye.